It's great to see you this morning, and uh, thank you for being here as we worship together. We are continuing our sermon series on the heart of the matter, and that, of course, is the theme and the truth of forgiveness. And today, we are going to look at one of the famous Q&A sessions in the Bible. Peter asks a question, and Jesus gives us the ultimate answer. So Matthew chapter 18, if you'd like to turn in your copy of the Scriptures, or you can follow along on the screen behind me. Matthew 18 and verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he's had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything, pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Peter asks the question, How many times, if my brother or sister sins against me, how many times should I forgive them? Now, I think that Peter had this question stimulated in his spirit and in his thinking because of something Jesus had taught just a little bit earlier. Listen to these three verses in verse 15 of this chapter. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen... Take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. In other words, part of the family, or at least not acting that way. And as Jesus talks about going and getting things restored and reconciled with a brother or sister who has sinned, perhaps against you, Peter gets thinking, well, okay, but what if they do it several times? I mean, how often, Jesus, do I need to forgive if someone sins against me? 
The other reason that I read that earlier passage about going and getting something reconciled with someone who's done wrong, and hopefully they listen to you. If not, there's a process. Is because I wanted us to be reminded that when we talk about forgiveness, sometimes we get a little bit confused and think, okay, does that mean if I'm forgiving that I just turn, as it were, a willful blind eye to any wrong that is going on, just ignore it and don't deal with it? No, the Bible never indicates emphasizes that we need to just ignore wrong that is done. What it does always emphasize is that we should have a spirit that seeks restoration and reconciliation when there has been wrong done. And so Peter asked the question, and that's what I've entitled the count as our first point, the numbers here. He says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Up to seven times? And Jesus said, I tell you, not up to seven times, but up to 77 times. Or some translations, up to 70 times seven. Now, where would Peter come up with a number like seven? Well, the rabbis or teachers of the law of Israel in that day and time in previous years had based some of their teaching about forgiveness on the book of Amos in the Old Testament, one of our minor prophets. And Amos had had a message from God to eight different nations in chapters 1 and 2 of his book. Israel and Judah, the two Jewish communities, and then six other nations that were their, that were their neighbors, like Ammon and, and Moab and Edom and Damascus and Tyre and the Philistines. And to each one of these nations, God had said, for three sins and for four, I'm going to judge you. Based on that, the teachers of the law had said, God forgives three times. It is the fourth time when He brings judgment. And so, you ought to forgive someone three times. Some even suggested if you wanted to go beyond three times, that you were trying to upstage God. Because you forgave more than He did. So now Peter, as a follower of Jesus, seeking to live out the life of faith in the kingdom, says, Lord, should I forgive my brother up to seven times? I know the rabbis basically say three. I'm going to double it and put one extra in for good measure. Along with that, Peter may have been aware that the number seven associated with the Scriptures is of completion or perfection. God created for six days on the seventh. He rested. So he said, Lord, would the perfect number of forgiveness be to forgive someone seven times? You know, I think Peter may have been like some of us. Have you ever been in a setting where you thought you were giving the right answer and you felt really good about it? Only be told, no, that's the wrong answer. Oh, bummer. <laughs> you really are kind of let down because you thought you had given the right answer there. And I think Peter's thinking, wow, this is magnanimous. I'm going way beyond the rabbis. I'm going to the number of perfection seven times. And Jesus said, no, 77 times or 70 times seven. In other words, what Jesus is saying is the forgiving spirit is to be abundant. It is to be not only abundant, but perhaps lifelong. I love what one commentator wrote. He said, the number 70 in the Psalms is the general lifespan that God gives to someone. Uh, Psalm 90 and verse 10, God gives 70 years, perhaps 80 is a blessing. And so some see that as the general lifespan from God, 70 years. 
And then you take the number of seven, again, that number of perfection and completion, and it's like the complete life is the life that is lived all its years with a forgiving spirit. Seventy times seven. Jesus is saying, I'm not about counting the numbers. I'm about the forgiving spirit that is abundant and lifelong in the kingdom. You see, I know Jesus is saying, I'm not expecting you to walk around with a calculator. Okay, let's see. I've forgiven you 14 times. 28, 36, 70, you're getting close. 78, you're a goner. No, that's not. In fact, you will find Jesus consistently condemning those who want to squeeze out the letter of the law. You see, he's looking for the spirit of it. So it's not about the 77 times. We don't want to be like those two fellows riding in the horse-drawn carriage. And the horse is pulling them along. And all of a sudden, the horse started acting up. The one fellow jumped out, got up in the horse's face and said, That's one! Got back in the carriage. The horse pulled him a little further. The horse acted up again. He jumped out, looked at the horse and said, That's two! Got back in the carriage. The horse pulled him a little further. Started acting up again. He jumped out, looked that horse in the face and said, That's three! Got back in the carriage. The horse pulled him a little further. Horse acted up again. The guy jumped out of the carriage, pulled out a gun and shot the horse. The other fellow was so upset, began to yell at him and scream at him and berate him. So why'd you kill that horse, man? Now we got to walk. And the guy said, that's one. (laughs) When it comes to our relationships as kingdom people, we're not to walk around with each other. That's one. Or that's 77. It's abundant, lifelong forgiveness. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's interesting. Some believe Jesus may have had in mind the poem out of Genesis 4, where Cain, who had murdered Abel, in God's mercy, has given a mark to protect him. And God said, if anybody harms you, Cain, they'll pay seven times for it. And he had a descendant named Lamech who wrote a poem, whether it was an actual event or just some poetry. He's talking to his family and says, if Cain was avenged seven times, he said, Lamech will be avenged 77 times. Some see that as a spirit of vengeance. Some see it as perhaps him acknowledging the grace of God somehow that if God was that good to Cain, he'll be more good to me. I'm not sure, but it's interesting. It's the same numbers. But what I do want us to do is not get hung up about the number but get hung up about the abundance Jesus is calling us to of being forgiving people on a consistent basis throughout the life that we live for Him. And then to continue to emphasize the abundance of forgiveness, the Lord Jesus tells a parable. Now, a parable, I remember hearing a definition when I grew up in church as a boy, and I still think in all the Bible college I've gone to and all the preaching I've heard, I still think it's about as good as any definition I've ever heard. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus says in this parable, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who had some servants that owed him money. This one servant came and he owes, according to uh, the scriptures, 10,000, either talents or this translation, bags of gold, but an enormous amount. He begs the king who's going to judge him because he can't pay it. He begs him for mercy and the king just wipes out the debt. And then this guy, and you can't believe it, but he goes out. He finds somebody who owes him a paltry sum of money and says, pay up. And when the guy said, I can't do it right now, he said, okay, I'm throwing you in jail, debtor's prison, how do you pay? 
Please have mercy now. When the other servants heard about it, they're furious. They go to the king and they say, can you believe it, king? This guy, you forgave this enormous debt. Wouldn't even forgive this little debt. And the king's wrath comes down on that first servant. Basically, what the Lord Jesus is, I believe, teaching us there is the king represents God. And we are the first servant. We have been forgiven an amazing debt against God. An enormous debt. Our sin debt. So we, in turn, then have a choice. Will we forgive the lesser debts of other people against us? Or will we, after being so forgiven, refuse to be forgiving? I did a little bit of study on the enormity of the two debts and their, their, their difference, their comparison. And of course, as our verse says, you know, God is saying, you should have had mercy like I had mercy on you. Now, the, the 10,000 bags of gold, I, did a, I went to the website yesterday, and do you know yesterday that one ounce of gold was selling at $1,329? So we're talking about a debt where you'd have to come up with $1,329 plus every day, 365 days a year for the next 27 years and four months. About $13,200,000. Now, the other debt that was owed, a silver coin or denarii, was basically the equivalent of a day's wages in that culture for labor. So let's take minimum wage today, $7.25. Eight hours a day, that's 58 bucks. You work 100 days, about four and a half months, $5,800, you've paid off your debt. So we're talking about four and a half months versus 27 years. We're talking about $5,800 versus $13,200,000. Not much comparison, is there? I thought in my own mind, how could I compare that? And, uh, you know, I thought about, uh, I found a pebble out in the parking lot. And I remembered flying from California to Pittsburgh over the Rocky Mountains. And they're majestic and they're amazing and they're huge. And I'm thinking, okay, put my pebble up against the Rocky Mountains. That's like our debt toward God and others' sins or debts toward us. I have here a blade of grass. I snatched one out of the snow. Oh, thank you, sister. Boy, I got to preaching so hard, I blew that grass right out of my Bible. Amen. Don't go around telling people that preacher's got grass over there, okay? They'll, they'll misunderstand what I'm saying, okay? But, but th- this piece of grass, okay? You know, you, you, you think of this compared to all the yards you're going to pass going home today. Front yard, backyard, side yards. Football fields, baseball fields, soccer fields, meadows, farmlands, parks. All through Pennsylvania versus one blade of grass. You're beginning to get the idea. I have here in my cup one whole drop of water. Now, this drop of water, that's it right there. Go down to three rivers. Look where the Monongahela and the Allegheny come together and form the Ohio. Look at all the water flowing there. Travel up to Buffalo and uh, look at the Niagara Falls, the water cascading over there by the metric tons, if you will. And then take a trip to the Atlantic and take a trip to the Pacific and put it all together versus this drop. 
And you begin to get the idea of the enormous difference between what God has forgiven us and what we're asked to forgive somebody else. You see, our challenge, brothers and sisters, is frankly this. We don't realize how bad our sins are against God. We say, well, man, I don't think I've been toward God like this person's been toward me. Are you kidding me? The Puritans, that was a group of believers in the uh, Great Britain area three, four hundred years ago. Uh, individually and intellectually, they strived to pursue God and His Word and His holiness and the depth of it. And uh, we have much to appreciate in our spiritual heritage from the Puritans. One of them, Ralph Venning, wrote a book about 300 years ago. It's called The Sinfulness of Sin. And in it, he makes the point, our sin is much worse than we think it is against a holy God who's much more holy than we can comprehend. I like what one reviewer said about the book. He said, until we appreciate or at least begin to grasp the utter sinfulness of our sin against God, he said, until then, redemption is not that great. Grace is not so mighty. Salvation is not so sweet. And the work of the God-man is not so powerful until we begin to grasp the sinfulness of our sin against God. Let's remember what sin has caused. Sin has caused all of the heartache, the suffering, and the sorrow in this world. Sin has caused all the abuse and the neglect and the violence in this world. Sin has brought on the wars and the disease and the hospitals and the graveyards and death and hell itself is all the result of sin. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so in the presence of a holy God, brothers and sisters, you and I have a debt we cannot pay. And then God sent His Son to be crucified upon the cross to pay our sin debt. To forgive us, Ephesians 1, by the blood of His cross, we have even the forgiveness of sins. And so we are called upon, if we have been so forgiven before a holy God, forgiven of our sins and delivered from an eternal judgment, how can we not be forgiving toward others? There's no comparison of the debt. It's a little bit like, I guess you heard about the elephant and the flea. And they walked across a bridge. And as they traveled across that bridge, the bridge just shook. And when they got across, the flea looked at the elephant and said, Man, we really shook that, didn't we? You say, what a foolish flea. That's about how foolish for you and I to say, God has forgiven me all of my sin in Jesus Christ, but I'm not going to forgive you. How foolish that would be. And then finally, verse 35, Jesus said, this is how my heavenly Father will treat you if you don't forgive your brother and your sister from your heart. It's like a caution light. You know a caution light when you're driving down the road? And, and when you see a caution light, you think, okay, I better slow down and, and think about this and observe the traffic patterns and pay attention. Well, there are some scriptures that for me are caution lights. One is in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus says, In the last day, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, 
We did miracles in your name. Lord, we cast out demons in your name. Lord, we did wonderful works in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew that. Now that makes me a little cautious. And then I read where Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 about the gospel. And he said the gospel is where Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he says by this gospel, verse 2, you are saved if you continue in these things. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Now, brothers and sisters, I believe if you're saved, you're saved. But I'm going to tell you something. That gives me pause. That gives me a caution light. And here the Lord Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And isn't the first time he said it. In Matthew chapter 6, he taught in the Sermon on the Mount what we just prayed this morning under J.R.'s leadership, the Lord's Prayer. And we prayed, forgive us our debts, what? I'm sorry, let me hear that word again. As we forgive our debtors. And Jesus expanded on that, said, if you won't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And people have wrestled with this verse. And does it mean that God, that you would be lost? Or does it mean that God will discipline you as one of his children? I don't fully know what it means, but I do know this. That Jesus is saying that, that forgiveness is of absolute and utter importance in the kingdom. A forgiving spirit is what he expects of us because it is the way our Father has forgiven us. And therefore we ought to be forgiving. A, none of us could ever pay the debt that we owe God. B, we're to be forgiving since He has forgiven us in Christ. And C, I don't care what anybody's done to you or me. It will not equal our sins against God. That's what Jesus is saying. If I were retooling my outline, I would call it the percentage, the parable, and the punctuation. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. So forgive. Now let's be honest. We all willingly receive forgiveness. We want it. We need it. We are thankful for it. We are also called not only to receive it, but to give it.